All right, we got all of, we got everything together. Everything is good. All right. So, wait, wait, no, not yet. Take a deep breath. All right. Let's get to it, to it. Shorty loves it, yeah. Loves that I'm a dog. They don't want it, yeah. They scared of what I know. Told you the budget, yeah. I gotta get my own. Shout out my bros, this right here deserves a toast. Hey, it's EDB, that's Eric Deshaun Barrett for this day nine of month 11, 2023. We are heading very, very swiftly into the time, into the season where we will set aside that we have set aside, that we have allocated to celebrate those men and women who lace up the uniform of these states united. Please let us remember to do that, to have that conversation in tomorrow. Mm. My friends, it is so beautiful to be with you on behalf of the platform of which you've chosen to do that, chosen to consume this, should I say. I am so appreciative and I ask that you do whatever is required to make sure these pieces of business, make sure that they get into your inbox each and every time they're released to the internet. What do I mean by doing what's required? Uh, because I don't want you to feel like, well, yeah, you're telling me I got to do something. You know, I'm an independent person. I ain't got to do nothing. Well, you're right. You don't. But, you know, there's certain things that are happening in the world. Uh, our platforms uh, cannot uh, adequately uh, feed you the information that you solicit unless certain steps are taken. Whether that's like, hitting the like button, hitting the follow button. Uh, I just said like. I mean, of course you like it, but there's <laughs> more to that. you know. Um, so there's some apparatus or some way uh, uh, that you can you know, connect with this. Like I said, it's a like button, a follow button, a subscribe button. You know, all these different platforms have different things that they're doing. And we appreciate them for that. And, and then slide consensually, of course. Into someone's DMs. I need you to do that because not only does that help what we do, but that helps to promote uh, to others what we do. You know, you and I got a thing, but there's other people out there who have yet to hear about the thing that you and I got. And, and we, we don't want to be in a closed relationship. You know, we want to be open. We want to be, we want, we want, we want, we don't want a monogamous thing. We want, we want to, uh, I don't know what, to, I, just, we just let, we just want to be friends with everybody. How about that? All right. So thank you. Mr. DJ, Madam DJ, non-binary DJ. How are you doing? We appreciate you over there. The most powerful, uh, socially mute individual or, or collective of individuals, the Trinity of music on behalf of no copyright sound out here in these streets empowering creators through no copyright sound and royalty free music we thank them for doing that some of the tracks that you hear actually all of them uh, at this point that you hear are from great artists who are connected to no copyright sound and we got that playlist you know out there on uh, Apple uh, Music, so you can go check that out, and uh, you can hear all the songs that that make it into our podcasts or into this podcast, and also make it into you know YouTube posts and uh, Instagram posts and so forth and so on. Right? Mm. Today, what is on my mind? Uh, we want to talk a little bit today about uh, this new series I'm watching on Netflix. Uh, I'm gonna get into that in a minute, but you're gonna say a lot to stay tuned. Yeah, well, of course I am. I just told you I'm gonna get into it. Uh, but I got some I got some things to say about Netflix before we get into that. So we'll just stay locked and stay tuned for that. On in conjunction with that conversation, what I was trying to get out. Mm -hmm. Also, we uh, we're gonna uh, listen to some music as you know as prescribed. You know, our doctor prescribes that we have at least one track a day, and. Uh, so we're going to get into that. No copyright sound. Again, I can't say enough about what they're doing in these streets to empower creators. Huh? 
And also, we're going to look at, well, we're going to get into letter number six of the Federalist Papers. Huh? That sounds about fun. Let's, let's, hit, let's talk about the states. We've been talking about, for those of you who followed along, thank you for allowing us to take a little pause. But for those of you who have been following along in the previous five, uh, three of those have been focusing on uh, John Jay's reality as it pertains to uh, concern for foreign uh, invasion or foreign issues. How are we protecting ourselves? The Constitution is designed to protect us from foreign issues. That's what we talk. Now we're going to talk about the states. Oh, Alexander Hamilton is going to uh, be our person that we're going to focus on in this particular letter. Uh, we're going to get to that. Uh, I think that's about all we're going to. Oh, no, 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 no. We're going to try to figure out what's going on in sports because we're into week 11. Yes, week 11 of month uh, of the NFL season it kicks off. Uh, we're going to see what our predictions are, what, what what's happening. Let's see if we can, maybe we can get Matthew on the phone. Let's see, let's see what's going on here. And, uh, yeah. But before we get to all that, the first thing we want to do is we want to figure out what's going on. We'll talk about today at NFK. You know Sarah Downing? She's got that book out, 365 Things That Are Happening or That Has Happened Here in NFK. Yeah, I'll remind you about it in just a few moments. But Mr. DJ, ma'am, DJ, non-binary DJ, how about you do something for me, if you can? How about you hit a beat so that we can kick off? And let's talk about today in NFK. Can we do that? Awesome, sir. Sarah Downing enlightens us that at 2 p.m. today, in NFK in 2010, Mayor Paul D. Frame at City Hall announced that Marcus Jones would be the new city manager. The then 42-year-old Caroline County native had previous experience with the city, having been brought in as budget director in 2003 and promoted to assistant city director in 2007. In 2009, he filled a post in Richmond as budget and finance director. Reports said that he was hand selected and was the only candidate interviewed. Councilman Paul Riddick went on record as saying Jones was, quote, the right guy for the job. Jones took over the position vacated by Regina V.K. Williams, who had held the post for 12 long years. That was today, November 9, in NFK 2010. <laughs> My friends, I want to talk to you today, not about books. I want to talk to you today about the cinema, about movies, more, well, not necessarily movies. How about, uh, let's talk about TV series. I don't know if you have recognized this because, you know, some of you may have some, um, well, I don't want to go and start talking about people's finances, but, uh, um, these subscriptions, they are, oh, I just got my bill for Disney Plus, $25. Now, I'm not complaining about the price that, that it is what it is. I'm complaining about the price that I'm paying and I'm not watching this stuff. And so I have just told myself, like, dude, if you about to, you know, drop $25 on one subscription service, actually, that's not true. 
because that twenty five dollars is for the bundle. I get the the uh, the Disney Plus, the Hulu Plus, and the uh, ESPN Plus. So you know, number more of the story is whether it's for three or for one. That's twenty five dollars, and I ain't watching it. So I decided to uh, start watching some of these subscription services. Try to get some content out of these things here. Uh, I was on a Netflix boycott because you know had they, so I was paying them, and they told me I can get the family plan. Right, no problem. Right, so I'm paying. Got the family plan. I did not go over my subscriptions. I think he was allowed for profiles, what have you. Nonetheless, they told me, well, you have a person that's on your subscription service that you can't use. I'm like, dude, I'm paying for it anyway. We're not going to argue about that. But I, uh, so I was boycotting for a while, but I decided to get out that boycott. I'm like, you know, it is what it is. Uh-huh. And I don't really know if it was much of a boycott as it was more of a um, me just not wanting to watch him. All that being said, I opened up the, the Netflix and decided to get into some shows. Now, I've been watching the previews, if you please, because, you know, you got the when you open up the Netflix, you got the the menu and they got all the different uh, uh, selections up there. I've been looking at some of these selections and I was like, I don't know if I want to watch this. It's a little boring. Hmm. I kept watching them. And I should have known. I should have known there's a reason why uh, at least one of them was still on. It, it just kept just right there every time I opened it, right there. Should have known why it was there because it had to been good. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. That's got about four seasons in it, but we're going to get to that down the road. But here's what I want to talk about right now because I clicked on The Diplomat. Now, you should know. Actually, I don't know if you should or not. So I'm just going to tell you what you should know. Or at least what I would think you should know. Or what I would want you to know. How about that? That sounds better. Uh, what I want you to know is that old EDB loves him. Just loves him. Some political dramas. Anything having to do with policy making or... Uh, the navigation of Washington, D.C. or something equivalent. EDB's all into it, right? So I picked this up. This Diplomat. It's on Netflix right now. The first season is out there. They're telling me a second one's coming soon because they got to bring out the second season because well, we got to see what happens here. Now. This particular piece of business, uh, the di- the diplomat. Have you have you heard of it? By the way, if 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 you have, raise your hand. Yeah, I'm looking out there. Can't see none of you. That's because I'm blind. Need my glasses. Okay. It says the diplomat. I'm, I'm looking it up so you can get what the what the uh, the internet is saying about it. Amid an international crisis, a career diplomat juggles her new high-profile job as ambassador to the United Kingdom and her turbulent marriage to a political star. Uh, Some of the people in this, well, the main characters in this is Carrie Russell as Kate Weiler. She's the the head diplomat. Uh, Rufus Sewell as Hal Weiler. He's the political star. David Geisel, or Geisy. uh, He's the foreign secretary. To the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, Ato Essendo. I sure. Stuart Hayford. I sure. I did butcher that name. He is uh, basically. Um, uh, Kate's. Uh, fixer. Pretty person. You know. Every political. Every political. Every big shot has a pretty person. That makes sure that they. You know. Look pretty. Uh, we got Georgie Henley. She's Pensy. I can't remember who she was. Uh, Ali Anon is uh, Graham. She's works for the CIA. Uh, you got a couple people in there that are interesting. And may I uh, take this time right here to uh, apologize because I I constantly do this. I I do not do names very well. 
And I constantly try to do them. And that is, yeah, I must apologize because that is ridiculous. That, that's ridiculous of me. That said, so you got this, this drama here. And um, now, if you are a person who hasn't gotten into this yet, um, let, well, let me, let me, let me preface this. Let me, let me kick the can if you kill with this kickoff. This is, this is the, uh, the kickoff right here. Um, I am not a movie reviewist. I do a lot of things that I am not. This particular, uh, piece of business or this time that we're taking here is not necessarily to, uh, you know, do Rotten Tomatoes job or anybody else out there who, um, participates if you please in political viewing or not political viewing just well i guess it is political i guess everything in this town is political everything in this world is political but this is more of me just what i'm getting out of it as it pertains to how i better myself i i find uh the greatest lessons in the weirdest places right so i hated this particular piece of business and part of that was because I think I saw myself in old Kate. She is a very bright, a very passionate person. Uh, but she's also an asshole. And uh, one of the realities to this uh, drama was that they're trying to uh, put old Kate in a high profile position to try to groom her to be a top political agent. Basically, they want her to be vice president. The problem is Kate ain't vice president material. Kate's an asshole. Nobody really and truly wants Kate around. Now, her husband is a political star. The people hate uh, her husband more, if you will, than they hate Kate. The problem with Hal's hatred is people hate Hal because they know they can't beat him. That that's that that's the bottom line to that. They know he's political. He's a political genius that he can navigate the political waters like none other. That he knows how to. Uh, manipulate a situation to his advantage or to the advantage of his causes and nobody can get around they just can't get around him and and i've come to realize that that is the greatest ally or asset to have in any political situation to be able to navigate and strong tie your opponents to push your agenda or your will if you please to the next level but totally totally okay with that but you know who's not okay with that oh kate because kate knows kate knows that well kate desires to be her own person she is in some cases or i don't know if i want to say in some cases i just we just go for the juggler here she's a modern woman she's of the belief that uh, she should be able to stand on her own, that uh, she should not have to be in the shadow of a man. You know, the typical ideologies that you know, I'm better than being home flat foot, pregnant, barefoot is what I wanted to say. But flat foot works to uh, making biscuits uh, that I can be in the world that I can. Uh, be a top dog in the world just like you can talking about the woman to the man and kate uh, is is trying to inside of herself or at least out loud uh present the argument that that is who she is and that is what she should uh, or we should recognize her as but deep down she knows that she can't she's just not everybody's not cut out for certain things right and Kate realizes that she's just not, she does not have the ability to overpower her husband. And it's not about uh, sexuality, it's just she's not that good. 
Now, for the feminists out there who will uh, try to paint the picture, well, this piece of business must be bad because it's painting women in a negative light. No, 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 I digress. There are some extremely strong women in this piece of business. Actually, all the women, to be honest with you, are very strong, even to Kate Weiler. She's a very strong personality. She knows how to stand up for herself, how to defend herself. But but there's a difference between knowing how to stand up for yourself and knowing how to defend yourself and knowing how to navigate the political waters. And so I, I take this drama. Some folk will look at it as just a very good uh, produced and well written TV series or Netflix series, if you please. But I, like I told you, I look for good ideas in the weirdest places. I find good ideas in porn. I, I did just say that. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm looking at this. And as I began, I might have said this earlier, but I forgot what I said 12 minutes ago. So please forgive me. Uh, I hated this drama. Totally hated it. Starting out. Because this, this woman was an asshole. Why did I hate that or why did I hate the drama and why did I think she was an asshole? Because I saw myself in her eyes. A person who is in some cases, at least in her mind, above her head, out in the in the deepest part of the the political ocean and uh, seems Within herself, it seems that she does not know how to swim. The problem is that Miss Kate Weiler is not accepting. Is that there are people around her who do want her in these positions. But she's also not able to understand that, well, they, they don't really want me. Well, Miss Weiler, nobody in politics really wants anybody that it, it, it it's it's a hard lesson that i have struggled with in my dealings in the political in what they call the political theater nobody really and truly wants anybody they they come out and they'll hug you and they'll kiss you and and they'll call you friend and all this good nasty but they really if you are looking for love in political theater, oh, you're setting yourself up for failure. I, I was thinking, um, did anyone else, maybe, I don't, I don't know, uh, this political drama, because, you know, I, I told you, I'm weird. I, I find uh, good ideas in the weirdest places. Um, is, it, is it obvious to others as it is to me? Um, that this is a drama where you have this woman who is basically looking for validation. She's basically looking for love. And if, if that is the, the message, the undertone here, then it is a very good realization for people who are diving into the political waters. I think every person who is in school or who has some type of ambition uh, as it pertains to uh, trying to get themselves entangled in the web that is politics should should pay attention to dramas like this because this is a very good um, kick in the balls, if you please, to what is politics. Um, nobody, as I would like to, if I if I could be. If I was Miss Kate's person, I would tell her, especially when she gets in those moments where she feels like, oh, my husband hates me or this, that, and third, or he, he doesn't want me. He just wants himself. He Everybody in the world at some point deep down in their bone marrow. I'm talking about go all the way down there and start scraping, get to get the little forceps. And go down there, going deep down into the woman, start scraping at the back of her uterus. That's the part that with the that right back up in there, mm -hmm. down up in there, deep, deep, deep. You're going to find selfishness. Everybody's got it. Even the most uh, selfless people, somewhere deep down in the circumference 
of their soul is a pit of selfishness. We're all victims of it. And Miss Kate, I feel in this particular drama, is basically trying to avoid that reality. Now, before I go and start, you know, uh, casting judgment on a a drama that is only one season in where we're loving or at least I'm loving or hoping I well, I was going to tell you I was mad because I am. Um, I would have rather waited for the second season. Cause the, uh, but then again, it's like, well, dude, it might come out with a third and then a fourth and a fifth. And then I'm like, well, dude, then I'll just wait five years for a while. I really don't like watching dramas. It's like back in the day when we used to watch TV shows. I would watch those shows and then they would get to the good part, right? Right when you was about to just fall out your chair and your jaw was dropping and it was drool coming out of the side of your mouth. You remember them? And you look up at the clock and you're like, they're getting ready to fuck us. They're getting ready to really. You just look up at the clock. You ever, you ever, you ever got into a TV show back in the day and you looked up at the clock and you just knew you're getting ready to get fucked. That is why I don't watch TV shows. Nope, not, 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 not why they're in. Nope, nope, nope. You're not going to get me to watch them. Can't do it. Mm-mm. I'm going to sit over here in the corner and wait till the whole season comes out. That's why Netflix and all of these, uh, these uh, um, subscription services, if you please. That's why they're, I think that's why they went to the reality or they, they gathered the reality. Hey, we need to just go ahead and get these people the whole season. Because this, this, is, this is just some bullshit right here. Hmm? So I don't want to cast judgment on her one season in. Because she might get it together. I'm, I'm, she might get it together. But. What we have right before us, if we're going to psychoanalyze this, this character named Kate Weiler, is we have an individual who needs to embrace the reality that there's some things in life you can get, and then there's some things in life you can't. That is what I picked up from this, this drama. If, if, you're, if you're in a politically high place, where you're you're in the, you're on the you're on the field if you please. I went to uh, talk to somebody. Um, well, I don't know if I want to name drop, but you know, um, it, it was the mayor, and um, his main objective to the conversation was: listen, um, you're one of the best players we got, and I believe in putting the best players in the game, and uh, you know, and, and you're on the field, kid, and you're in the game, you know. Now, I could take the Kate Weiler approach and go, oh, well, he doesn't really want me for me. He wants me for what I can do for him and how I can better his career and make him look good at the mayor. Of course, that's what he wants. I mean, what political who in their right mind, if you are running an organization, if you are running a team. Uh, whether you're a CEO or just the the lead fry cook at the McDonald's, who's going to want a team that is stacked with incompetent people? Absolutely nobody. Because if your team is stacked with incompetence, then A, you're, you're going to look bad as a team leader. And B, you're going to look bad as a team leader. I, w- I want to tell you a story. Back when I was working at Chick-fil-A, this this just popped into my head and and it makes sense to this. At least in my head, it does. Um, when I was working at Chick-fil-A, they um, made me a team leader because uh, the, the lead fry cook, if you please, or the head cook, the head kitchen guy, which when I got to this Chick-fil-A, I didn't know what the, the protocols were. Nobody told me what the hierarchy is or what the chain of command is, if you please. They just put a bunch of people back there and, and everybody else seemingly knew what it was, but I didn't. Um, it was a bunch of white people and, and I was the only black guy for the most part. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I was the only black guy to be honest with you. Um, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Anyway, so I'm sitting there and, and they're a bunch of racist pricks. And they, well, I'm not going to say they're racist. They're, they're, 
white people are white people. They hang out with their own, just like black people are black people. You have one or two that cross over, uh, either or. And, uh, but for the most part, black people know how to do black people and white people know how to, I mean, we're just, we're just segregated people. That's just how we are. At least in this town, we're just very segregated and, and it's just segregated. So the, the gentleman who was running that establishment, cause you know, those Chick-fil-A's are kind of set up like, uh, owner operators and independent, you know, establishments and so forth. They call them freestanding units. Um, the particular uh, owner operator at the time of this location, uh, I, well, you know, it was, <sighs> this was back in a time when nobody would say anything if you stacked your staff with Mexicans. So he stacked his staff with a bunch of Mexicans and they would always schedule the Mexicans to work on the night that I was in the kitchen alone. Now, I am completely clueless of how to, I cannot, I do not speak Spanish in any way, shape. I mean, I know necesitas, papa fritas, por favor. And the only reason why I knew that is because one of the uh, morning shift persons, that's the way she talked. And, and, and I just picked that up. But to really understand how to communicate to these individuals, totally not happening. And the moral of the story was that uh, I believe with all my heart and soul that this was a position to uh, basically determine whether or not I could sink or swim, which it was already determined when the arrangement was created that I was going to swim. <laughs> no, no, it was determined I was going to fail. And, and, and when I was putting, you know, look, looking at it now, it's like, yeah, these people set me up to fail. Because they knew I couldn't communicate with these people. They knew this wasn't going to happen. They put me in an environment where my team was negative. My team was, uh, at least compared to my leadership style, not the best members to be on my squad. And so that's what the mayor was saying. He's like, look, I, I selected you as one of the people to be out there because you're one of the best people to be on the squad. It's the same thing with this Kate Weiler piece of it. Dude. She was selected. No, no, I'm talking to Kate. Hi, listen, excuse me. Yes, Miss Miss Ambassador. I know you're listening. Thank you. Um, you were selected because it made the president look good. Yes, that's what it is. This is all about making people. Look, that's what politics is all about. Sadly, whether you're the mayor, whether you're the governor especially if you're the president, if you're the president of the United States, there's only 46 of them bastards, right? Only 46, 200 some years, only 46. We haven't even made it to 50 yet. Cause you know, FDR messed that up, you know, with his, um, four terms, you know, it might've been actually if FDR had of, uh, I was trying to think he had, he had did one. We'd have been at 47, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Anyway, moral story is four to six of them boys didn't didn't hit this job. You have to in some way, shape, or form have an ego. You have to have an ego. You have to in some way, shape, or form be self-absorbed. You have to in some way, shape, or form be narcissistic. It's, it's almost a prerequisite to be president of the United States. And so the president, this old guy, which, which, um, you know, the funny thing about this piece of business, this drama, it has so many uh, undertones about the current political state. The president is this old white who they swear they let him have a piece of candy. He's going to keel over and die. And they're just trying to hold him up until they can get somebody young and vibrant, more particularly a woman to, uh, you know, hand her the first presidency or the first woman president. And you think about it and, and it, it really set the stage for what the last political cycle was. I mean, think about it. Joe Biden is not president because he, um, well, it, from all sense and purposes is the, the one that people would really and truly want. But he's president because he was the one that could really and truly get the job done. He could beat Donald Trump. Um, 
or Miss Kamala couldn't do it because she was a black woman. And then Trump would have ran her over. Um, Miss uh, or Mr. Pete Buttigieg. He couldn't do it because he was a, he was a flame. Let's just tell the truth. He was a flame. Ain't nobody going to select a flame to be president. So what do they do? They combat the old white with an old white. And Biden is is basically a centrist that everybody could like. And, and and they threw him in there and he created policies, which nobody is paying attention to it because we have become such an identity driven sister. Oh, God, the identity politics in this town these days are just sickening. It makes my throat hurt like it's got like like I got dust in it. Mm. Mm. You hear that? Yeah, that's called identity politics choking me. Um, so this particular drama just flashes with political current day undertones and the moral here and i said that a couple times i know i think i said that a couple times and if i think i said it then i've said it a couple times the moral here out of all the little details that i'm missing out you're welcome um that's called not spoiling for you again you're welcome uh this particular person miss kate weiler has to understand she has to understand and everyone who is into politics who's getting into politics i hope you get this point from this this drama the understanding a everybody's out here to try to do what makes them look good b you have to figure out how to navigate and get the the objectives that you want done while also trying to figure out how to uh, maintain your spot. Because believe it or not, if you push too hard, they're going to get rid of you. It's just point blank. They're, they're going to find a way to get rid of you. But if you're going to push, know how to stack the deck against your opponents because in this political theater that's what it is it is political point stacking when when the mayor said eric you're in the game that was not just some java or jargon just some yapping that he did he he's basically painting the picture this is a game dude and you're in it Learn how to play the game. Steph Curry goes out there every night for the Golden State Warriors. He's got a coach, yeah. Uh, but the reality of it is Steph Curry's got to figure this out on his own. LeBron James goes out there. He plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. He's still out there? Or did he retire? Uh, moral story is when he was out there. If he's not out there now, I don't know. I'm play. I'm following attention. I'm, I'm too busy stuck up Corey's ass. I'm sorry. Um, but LeBron, he's out there, right? What is he doing? He's got a coach, but he still got to figure it out on his own. You're in the game, dude. You got to figure out how to play on your own. You got to figure out how to navigate these waters on your own. <sighs> and you got to figure out how to do whatever you got to do to get through. Yeah. Basically, find you somebody that you can just fuck all day. Because um, I think that's I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I love that about this piece of business where she just. Her husband's just a fuck toy. <laughs> and I'm not upset about that. Because sometimes when you're you just need a fuck toy. And my brothers and sisters, my friends of the political order. If you don't want your relationship to end up on the six o'clock news, if you don't want to end up in the tabloids, then you just need to understand all of you who are the spouse or the partner to anybody in politics. Get used to being naked. That's the best way to solve his problems or her problems. Just fuck her all the time. It's almost like falling in love for the first time All over again Hold on tight to the feeling But it's a roller coaster in my head So I'm holding myself on a precipice And I
doubts like the playing cards Close to my chest Turn them round for the river And hope it's something that I won't regret So I'm holding myself on a precipice And I've been dreaming off the ground So I'm looking for something that's definite I'm praying you attention to the Federalist Papers number six concerning dangers from dissensions between the states. This particular letter is basically a continuation from the previous three where John Jay paints the picture of what it would look like if we didn't have a united front. If as a nation, we didn't look from one lens at what could happen or at what is possibly brewing outside of the borders of these states united. Now we talk about what's happening inside the borders of these states united. If John Jay's perspective was that the Constitution helps to give us a level head and a, and a level footing internationally as it pertains to foreign relations, well, the Constitution gives a level head and a grounding, a baseline as it pertains to the domestic. You think about what is happening even in our country now. One of the major issues that uh, was a thing via the uh, last election this past Tuesday, if you're listening to this when it's released. November 7, was it? Because it's 9 today, so 7. What happened then was abortion became a huge conversation in states like Kentucky and states like Virginia, where I am, Ohio, where the... Uh, these particular nations were battling to protect their rights, whereas places like Florida and Texas and uh, Idaho and Indiana and insert states here have all basically said, we want nothing to do with that abortion stuff. As a matter of fact, we want to make it illegal for you to do all that abortion stuff. Uh, I believe it was in Mississippi. I believe I saw it in Mississippi. M I crickletter crickletter I crickletter crickletter I hunchback hunchback I. You remember watching that on Good Times, right? All you old people would know that. You folks, maybe what thirty five and up, you know some about some Good Times. Good time. Anyway, Mississippi decided that they were going to put a Republican in office. With his mission statement is to basically. Uh, clear the board for Republican views and values. Whereas in Virginia, the mandate was that the democratic system, the progressive wing of the caucus of the country is supposed to be heard by them overwhelmingly giving the house and the Senate, the, the, the whole legislative system of government to the governor. Now, what that means is basically there's 
more than likely nothing going to get done the next two years. Um, because anything that the governor tries to put up is going to get stalled by the Democrats. And anything the Democrats try to put up is probably going to get vetoed by the governor. So it's a good thing. It, it, it basically reiterates that we're just going to have a boring governor. Glenn Youngkin, uh, just to sidebar here, came into office with this idea, this mission statement, that uh, if he can uh, persuade uh, the caucus, which is the human, the, the, Amer- the Virginian people, if he can persuade that, that branch of the caucus to go his way and give him a Republican-controlled legislature, that he would do all these different realities. And, and he got a House, but he didn't get a Senate. So for the first two years, he pretty much did nothing, at least nothing in his agenda. Now he was hoping. Well, if I get it in the second season. Because now I'm in a midterm. This is is what you call the state midterm elections. Now I'm in a midterm. So give me the Republicans and I can shift this system. And the voters like, "Eh, we gave you a house. We gave you a Senate. No, we gave you the house, but kept the Senate. So we gave you a balance set. It was basically two to one. And that didn't work out. So now it's just going to be you versus the Democrats. That's what we're going to do. Why did I say all that? Because it's things like that, like like this reality in our last voting session, is what Alexander Hamilton was, was speaking about it in this letter number six. But then that brings me to the second part. He asks in here a series of things. But one of those that I would like to point out for you in this moment, if I can, was the love of power or the desire of preeminence and dominion, the jealousy of power or the desire of equality and safety. Now, Those are three parts there that I want to focus on. Let's start with jealousy of power. Jealousy of power is these groups of people who have decided that one system is getting more than they are. For instance, you have a lot of your business leaders who are, well, let's not even go into business leaders. Let's let's in some cases talk about these strikes. People say, well, Eric, that has nothing to do with jealousy of power. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Because their argument was that the CEOs and these corporate execs are making hundreds of millions of dollars. And because they're making hundreds of millions of dollars and constantly getting bonuses and, and you know, I don't know what a, a uh, an average screenwriter would make. I would assume it's not enough to buy a Ferrari. Uh, So they're looking at it from a perspective of, hey, why they get all this money and we're just making pittance and we are the reason why they're making the money. That's literally what Alexander is focusing on in, in this text when he says the jealousy and resentment that that's that whether whether we want to acknowledge it or not, that is what that is. That is jealousy and resentment. Now, before you get yourself all knotted up, there is nothing wrong with that form of jealousy and that form of resentment. But that is why they were able to go on strike. That is why they were able to legally hold the system accountable. Because they wanted something that they rivaled the other side over. Now, the second part of this piece can also be argued in that statement. That 
the love of wealth as domineering and where was that at? Uh, no, is this right here? Where are we? No, that's not. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, and well, let me read this. Are not popular assemblies frequently sub? No, that's not what I wanted. Where where was I reading? I can't even find my place. Ah, right here. The love of power or the desire of preeminence and dominion. Yeah, that other stuff we're going to get down the road. Now I got to go back because I've already told you. But that love of power or the desire of preeminence or dominion. Now, that is our corporate executives. We, we as a people, we build our lives. We have been told since birth, to focus on getting yourself somewhere in life, to focus on building a reputation for yourself, to focus on getting you in a position where you are uh, at the top of the totem pole. We've been taught to go to school. We've been taught to get an education. We've been taught to find a good job with some good benefits. These are the things that have been drilled into us, the love and the idea of wealth. Some of us literally have lived our whole lives on the idea of it. And so why was there a strike which just ended with our, our union writers, God bless their hearts, and an even more so a strike that also ended here uh, recently in the, in the recent past with our auto workers. It was the resentment and the jealousy of the little man crying out, for an agreement, for a meeting of the minds with those who, as our text argues, love power or the desire of preeminence and dominion. You telling me you want to be a CEO and you don't love it? You telling me you want to be a politician and you don't love it? You telling me you want to be a head, the head of the table and you don't love it? Huh? So what the Constitution does is the Constitution gives balance. It serves as the measuring stick that protects all of these different groups. Then there are people who just want equality and safety. I had a conversation today with someone and I was talking about uh, equality. When I think about equality, you think about it from a form of somewhat segregation. Now, granted, Mr. Uh, Alexander doesn't talk about that here in the text, but I ask the question, can you have true equality in this country without some baseline that makes the system a little bit lopsided in order to level it out, I, a.k.a. some form of segregation. Now, I want to take this time to also submit that Eric Barrett is not in the position or of the mindset, even if he was in the position, he's still not of the mindset to try to go and dig up General Patton or Lee. But what I am saying is that there are certain ideas and ideals that affect one community more so than it affects another community. Some people need more books than another community. Some people need more resources than another community. Some people need more economic dollars than another community. Some folks may need more health care than another community. Some people may need more senior care than another community. We may need more crosswalks in, in, in the white neighborhood because a lot of them are elderly and they're more senior and they can't move as fast as maybe out here where I am. You know? All of these things balances it out to say, okay, well, we need more over here for this than we do over there. Am I making sense? Uh, what else we got here we want to talk about? Uh, and there are others not less numerous than either of the former, 
which take their origin entirely in private passions, in the attachments, amenities, interests, hopes, and fears of leading individuals in the community of which they are a member. We have a lot of organizations. There, there's one in particular. I'm not going to name names. But I ask you to check out the board. I ask you to really check out the board. That board is stacked with planning commissioners. It is stacked with council persons. It is stacked with delegates. It is stacked with community activists. It is stacked with members of the major companies in the area. Now, is that a bad thing? Some people can say, well, Eric Baird, are you jealous? Well, in some graces, yes. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the one thing you can't tell me, ask them. Go down there and ask them. They are not willing to risk their interests for the betterment of another group of people. They're, they're in business to make money. I know that. You know that. So let's not kid ourselves here when, well, we're here to try to bring good to the community. All right, I hear you. But I also know, I also know that you're here to try to make sure that at the end of the day, when you check your balance sheet, that is in the black, not in the red. And that may mean that you will lean your interest in a way that focuses more on the interests of the company than on the interests of the people. And unless you have a balancing act that A, understands the interests of the board, the interests of the organization, the interests of its interesting people, while at the same time understanding the needs and the concerns and the hopes and the dreams and the fears of the less fortunate and figuring out how to navigate those two ideologies together. If your board is not stacked with those people, which nine times out of ten boards are not, because that's excruciating work. It's excruciating work. And that's what Mr. Hamilton is focusing on here. A couple other things you want to focus on, I'll leave you alone. Are not popular assemblies frequently subject to the impulses of rage, resentment, jealousy, and other irregular and violent propensities? Is it not well known that their determinations are often governed by a few individuals in whom they place confidence and are, of course, liable to be liable to the passions and views of those individuals? Stop right there for a second. What do we got here? You have over in Israel, and, and I'm not going to speak a lot about it because I, 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 I don't have the bandwidth for it. But here's what I understand. You got the ordinary people. You got individuals that are fighting for their lives, who are trying to bring awareness, who are doing all these different things. They're telling stories on TikTok. They're telling stories on Instagram. Uh, they got whatever they got going on here. And then you have the entities like Netanyahu. Netanyahu who sees the world and whatever ideology or whatever way that he sees it to appeal to whoever he's appealing to. I don't know what his interests are. But it's this small collective of people. Take the Republican Party, for example. They're a small collective of, of ideologues who are trying to 
hash out policy and create policy that looks good to their bank books, to their interest accounts, IRAs, CDs, so forth and so on. And then you have the people in the streets that are burning down our cities. After George Floyd, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, and the list goes on. The Constitution helps to make all of those voices and all of those interests equal at the table. And to anybody who will say, well, Eric Barrett, you're just trying to tip the scales or you just want to see one side get overall. No, Eric Barrett does not. Eric Barrett wants to see everybody at the same table, making sure that everybody gets whatever they need to live a healthy and productive life. Now, what does that mean? That's the hard ever and never ending question. But where do we start? We start with an equally balanced system. And how do we get to that equally balanced system? We get to that equally balanced system by understanding that there's a document that protects us all with liberty and with justice for all. It's letter six, Alexander Hamilton. Concerning dangers from dissensions between the states. My friends, we're looking at week 10, no, excuse me, 11 and 12 of the NFL and college football season. As you know, we focus on the teams that are either playing, well, the teams that are playing, the Miami Dolphins, uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, uh, the ODU Monarchs, the Dallas Cowboys, the Miami Hurricanes, and the Utah Skyhawks. Those are the teams that we talk about, and we talk about the teams that are playing. That's what I'm trying to say. This week, the Dolphins are on a bye. Uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers this week are playing Maryland, which it says here that they're going to win. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. We might have to look at that here in a minute. ODU Monarchs this week are playing Liberty. We said that's going to be an L. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys this week are playing the Giants, and Matt believes that's going to be a W. Hmm. Frank probably does too. Uh, anyway, that's another conversation. Uh, the Hurricanes this week are playing FSU. Matthew says that that's going to be a win, but... He also thinks that might be a little bit of a challenge, so we'll see what that looks like here. And UT Martin this week is playing Southeast Missouri State, and Matthew sees that as a win. So those are our predictions. Heading into week number 10, 11, and 12. Well, I don't want to keep saying 10. Because I don't get no Miami this week. Is that why I want to keep saying 10? I don't know. What are your predictions about your teams? Hey, it's CDB. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. <sighs> yes, TikTok. Even though I'm not going to talk about TikTok. Anyway, I'm trying to stay undefeated, Miami. No, you're off. Nebraska. All right. And with that said, we bring our time together to a close. And we do so, as I often do, by thanking you. Thank you for caring for your friends and family. Thanking you for sharing with your communities. And most importantly, thank you for praying. Not just for the people who lace up the uniform of these states united, although this time of the year that is very significant. But I thank you for praying for people who lace up the uniform of civilized and uncivilized nations all over this world until we can do this again. Lord willing, and that damn creek don't rise. 
Till then, for me and mine, unto you and yours. Laters! I'm on my way out. Might hit the club and I might stay out. Little chicken on my brand escape out. Fresh for the mall, got him checking me out. I'm on my way out.